This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. None dare call it murder, but 500 Australians have joined the world's first COVID vaccine injury class action lawsuit. The suit accuses the Australian government the country's Therapeutic Goods Administration and Department of Health and Aged Care and a number of other senior public servants of negligence related to the approval and monitoring of COVID-19 vaccines, breach of statutory duty, and misfeasance in public office. The action was filed in the Federal Court of Australia, New South Wales Registry. According to the lawsuit, the respondents approved the vaccines with no proper or reasonable evidentiary or logical basis to reasonably determine that the vaccines were safe, effective, and possessed a positive risk-benefit profile. The action will argue that the Therapeutic Goods Administration did not fulfill their duty to properly regulate the COVID-19 vaccines, resulting in considerable harm and damage to Australians. The suit also alleges that the government acted negligently in approving the vaccines and also by failing to withdraw them based upon the known evidence of risk and that Australians who have experienced a serious adverse event following COVID-19 vaccination are invited to step forward and register for the class action that begins with 500 Australians. What do you think? None dare call it murder. They're calling it negligence, misfeasance, but somebody else is calling it medical murder. Today on Viewpoint, after a month or more of not talking about the matter of the vaccine and COVID-19 and all of that, we are going to talk about it today because it reveals something extraordinarily dangerous not only to our health in general, but to our trust in government, the medical profession, and everything associated with it, including the pharmaceutical companies, including our politicians, and unfortunately, including even many pastors who encouraged, in fact, virtually ordered their parishioners that if they did not get the jab, which was not truly a vaccine, then they somehow were not following Christ. Even the revered Mr. Graham said any Christian should get this jab, if you really are a Christian. Mm-mm-mm. You see, we've been deceived. What this whole scenario for the past three years has revealed is how easily people are deceived and willing to be deceived. And so regularly, I have said on this program, when we talk about deception and seduction, there is no one who is ever seduced against their will. No one. There's always a reason why I'm willing to be seduced. I'm just willing. 
Now, what was it that caused the willingness among John Q. America or John Q. Australian or uh, any throughout the U.K., anywhere the jab was administered, including China? What was it, other than governmental force, that caused people to so readily receive something that was not even a vaccine as admitted by the CDC that had to change the definition of a vaccine just to continue to use the term. It was all willful. It was all willful misinformation, disinformation, open, notorious deception. No wonder Dr. Deborah Burke said, alongside Dr. Fauci, that she could not, they could not, she said, understand how the American people could so readily accept the burden that they were putting on us. That you got to go get this jab. She couldn't believe it. This is America, and they're willingly doing this? Now, I want to ask you a very profound question before we go further. Because the implications of this are not just with regard to your medical treatment. They're not just with regard to law and order and trust and so on. It goes to the very essence of how easily human beings are deceived and seduced. To do something, to engage in something, to make decisions that otherwise they would never make but for the reasons they choose to make it. And the number one reason Americans chose to make this deceptive decision was fear. I want you to think about it. Fear. And the Bible tells us that fear has torment. So people were tormented. They were tormented in their minds. They were tormented in their hearts. They did not trust God. They had not really come to the place where they would trust God in any respect whatsoever. No, they were going to trust the government, a surrogate God. When, in fact, the government couldn't provide any evidence whatsoever that any of these jabs were efficacious or going to be efficacious, it was all trumped up, bootstrapping, in order to try to convince It was open and notorious deception from those that we were supposed to be able to trust. But there again, why did we do it? Why were we willing to cast our care into the arms of the U.S. government or into the arms of Pfizer, the arms of AstraZeneca or J&J or Dr. Fauci or Dr. Burks or any politician or any pastor? Why were we willing to do that? The answer is fear and a failure to trust God. Now, does that mean that you and I should never, ever take any medication or anything like that? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a serious motivation that co-opted our wills, that co-opted our thinking, that co-opted our trust, and ease the way for us to make decisions that were clearly not for our benefit, even though there was, and and especially since there was absolutely no proof 
zero proof that these so-called vaccines were efficacious or safe. Neither efficacious nor safe. Now, that having been said, I want to go through a whole series of uh, documents here today on Viewpoint that if you don't have yourself anchored in your uh, your seat, you might even want to not only have a uh, seat belt on, but a head, head restraint. Because some of the things that we're going to share here today on Viewpoint are gripping. They really are. And I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, because... If you were so willing through terror and fear to take the jab when there was no proof of its efficacy or safety, what are you going to be willing to do when the Antichrist offers his mark? Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. None dare call it murder except for a nurse who has been there, done that, and seen the horrific nature of what was taking from the inside out. Gail McRae, who worked in California as a nurse in June of 2021. When her hospital was desperate for more staff, she said she noticed during one double shift that the 50 or 60 patients that she saw all needed care for a heart attack or stroke. And none of the 10 times those code blues were uh, to lower level down to the clinic where they were injecting people. And two, excuse me, nine out of the 10 times those code blues were to take the people to the lower level down to the clinic where they were injecting people. And two of my colleagues, she said, did in fact go through anaphylaxis after receiving their shots. McRae worked for Kaiser Permanente Santa Rosa Medical Center in California from 2015 to 2021 when she was fired for refusing to take the COVID injection. McRae said she wanted to trust organizations like the CDC and the AMA, American Medical Association, but came to believe that the practices and protocols that they were mandating equated to medical murder. Medical murder. Now, before we go further with regard to the COVID and uh, the so-called vaccines, the jabs, Uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, I want to apply further the hint that we made at the end of the last segment. That is, if you were so easily willing to jump on board to have yourself, your loved ones, your children, pastors, your parishioners, and so on, to get this jab when you had no proof whatsoever that they were effective, 
Number two, you had no proof whatsoever that they were not dangerous. In other words, that they were safe. There was no such proof. Remember, the uh, FTC never, never, never gave, uh, what should we say, permanent authorization to the use of these so-called vaccines. They were always considered experimental. So what the American people did, including Christians, including their pastors, including their medical doctors and so on, what they did was cavalierly cast all care onto something that was totally experimental. Which meant that there was no guarantee of safety and no guarantee of efficacy. In other words, that the so-called jab would do anything on a positive basis. So it was all based on promises. You know, as the phrase goes, promises, promises. Anybody can make a promise, but fulfilling that promise is something quite differently. We find that true with regard to our politicians, don't we? So in many respects, this whole so-called protocol was a political venture. But it took on co-opted the medical profession and the pharmaceutical profession for one reason. There's one reason, friends, and it's spelled money. The M word. The money involved superseded genuine ministry, genuine medicine, It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. What did Jesus say about that? The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not, the problem wasn't money. It was the love of money. And that's where it all went awry. And the federal government seduced the medical profession to take dollars to promote the jab to undermine your health. I'm sorry to have to put it so bluntly, but that's exactly what they did. And if you don't think that policies have anything to do with your life, the life of your children and grandchildren and your parishioners, my pastor friends, then we're living in a fool's paradise because policy affects our lives. Politicians can make all the promises that they want. It's policy that changes your life. And they established policies through Dr. Fauci as a, shall we say, quasi-medical dictator. He became a quasi-medical dictator. After all, he said, basically, I am science. If you don't trust me, you don't trust science. Therefore, I am science. And science is God. Science is the only truth that you can trust. So you must trust me. Take me at my word. Otherwise, you're finished. That was the message of Dr. Fauci. Put it, distilling it into its essence. But now, the proud Dr. Fauci has admitted something clearly went wrong. Those are his words. Something clearly went 
wrong. Well, it's nice that he can reflect now, isn't it? After the fact. So instead of looking at himself, he indirectly blames capitalism and he blames the U.S. healthcare system. Well, he was the U.S. healthcare system when it came to this issue. He dictated to it. And he also blamed anti-vaxxers for the poor results during the pandemic on his watch. The anti-vaxxers. What he still fails to recognize is that he, according to the majority of half of the American people today, he caused as many deaths through the vaccinations as people incurred through COVID by itself. We're going to all get into that here today on the program. So as we talk about this issue of deception and this issue of being seduced, we we, we have to look at it this way, friends. There's no way to make excuses for it. If you start making excuses, you're just like Dr. Fauci. Well, something went wrong, but I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't have any choice. I didn't. Well, of course you had a choice. Now, you may not have liked the choices that you had, but you did have a choice. You may not like it when the counterfeit Christ figure declares through his false prophet that every man, woman, and child that is going to have access to food and electricity or do any business is going to have to take this mark of allegiance to a new beast, godless uh, global government, the beast empire. You may not like that. It may tempt you to fear, and rightly so, but that's where the choice comes in. And this is something that we have not been willing to understand. Because it means that I have to make a decision. I have to make a choice. And my choices will have consequences. And I will not be able to stand before the judge of the universe at the great white throne judgment and say, but God, I didn't have a choice. I had to take the mark. Are you beginning to get the point? You see, what we have just gone through for three years is what the world is going to go through shortly for another period of three, three and a half years when that mark is handed out, whenever that is. And it's coming. So it was like a trial run. It was like a trial run to see, to test whether you would pass the test of eternity. You say, what do you mean pass the test of eternity? Aren't we saved by grace through faith? Well, yes, we are. But the Bible tells us very clearly, read in Revelation chapter 14, that anyone who receives the mark of the the beast empire, the Antichrist, or the number of his name in his forehead or on his right hand, anyone who receives that will have consigned him or herself to eternal damnation. There will be no repentance. Why? Because it's the final decision as to 
who you're going to trust. You see, what God's after is our trust. That's why this matter of COVID and everything preaches so well. This is a parable, a historical parable to prepare us for the final test. Now, some people may not have to deal with that test because they may pass before the test comes. But you already had a test. You had a test to see what you would do if you were uh, placed with a decision to accept something that could not be proven. It was totally experimental. And yet, because of your terror, the terror of your fear, you went for it anyway. Some employer said, if you don't get it, you're not going to work. So you took the mark, in essence. Think of it that way. You took the mark. You capitulated. And you not only capitulated for yourself, but you capitulated for your children. And maybe for your grandchildren. Pastors, you capitulated for your congregation. How many pastors are going to capitulate when that mark is handed out and rationalize for their congregations? Well, It'll be okay. God loves you, and he'll, he, he knows your heart. Oh, he sure does. That's the problem. He does know your heart. Now, you may think, well, this is, this is too hard. Uh, this doesn't sound like a loving God. Well, it is a loving God. You see, if a parent tells a child, I want you to do such and such, or I don't want you to do such and such, and it's very serious... And that child goes out and does it anyway, with intent, rationalizing why they did it, but continuing to refute your word, your will, and your ways. How are you going to respond to that child? Are you going to respond, oh, I love you, love you, love you, love you, and become kissy-poo with them? Or are you going to respond with consequences? If you don't respond with consequences, you're not godlike. God tells us as parents that we're supposed to respond with consequences. He's God. He's a loving father, but he will respond with consequences, and he lays it all out in his word. It's a word of love and a message to us, but it's also a a word of warning, just like a parent, right? These things are not that hard to understand. But unfortunately, in the last 40, 50 years with the church growth movement and then the secret sensitive movement and the redefining of our theology, uh, replacing the God of truth and the God of justice with a God exclusively of love, but not of truth and justice, then here, that's what we get. You see, we get a complete revision of the God of the Bible. And we've suckered for it. We've been snookered in. This whole generation, the last generation or two, has been snookered in to believe in a falsely characterized God. And so they, they're not ready. I mean, half of professing Christians today don't believe that Jesus was sinless. Can you believe that? The latest poll show, half of Christians, professing Christians today, don't believe that Jesus was sinless. 
which means he had no ability to take your sin upon him on the cross. Because he was just like you. He wasn't pure. He was contaminated with sin. And therefore, he could not legitimately become the substitutionary sacrifice for you and for me. Can you see how we've been seduced a very long period of time? And I think this is one of the reasons why God called me to leave the practice of law, to plead this cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour. Because there's very, so very, very few voices that are doing that. They're not willing to. They're afraid of the people. And they love money. Consider getting a copy of my book, Antichrist. How do I identify the coming imposter? $22 right there on our website, saveus.org. You don't want to miss it. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. None dare call it murder. That is what happened with regard to the promotion of these false vaccines. They were false vaccines. They were not vaccines. And quite frankly, they were injecting in your body not natural substances, but to completely artificially replace your immune system. Now, what happens when you replace your immune system, the one that God gave you? These artificial uh, immune systems that were created were designed to attack only one thing, the SARS virus, and only one version of it. So what happens when you're injected with this uh, uh, pseudo false immune system that's designed only to combat one thing, but it destroys your God-given immune system at the same time? What's going to happen to you? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. Now you're going to be subject uh, to virtually every infection, every virus, everything that comes down the pike, including cancers of many, many types. So what's happened? Cancer has proliferated. Doctors all over the country and researchers are attesting to the fact that cancers are up dramatically. It shouldn't come as a surprise. I'm not saying that just because you've got 
the jab, you're going to get cancer. That's not the point. But you're playing, you played Russian roulette. And you increase the likelihood, according to all the studies that have been done, all the reports, we've gone through them week after week after week here for two years, and uh, I have been reluctant to talk about COVID, to talk about uh, the vaccine for quite some time now, but I felt that uh, things had come to the place now with the class action that has just been the first class action in the world that has just been filed in Australia. 500 people have gathered together and they're inviting hundreds, thousands of others to join that class action in Australia. Well, how about in America? Oh, well, the government gave Pfizer and AstraZeneca and uh, Moderna and so on, gave them carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to do and relieve them of all civil liability. Hmm. In other words, they could just do whatever they wanted without any sense of accountability. So it all became about money. It all became about money. Now, you may think, well, you know, there's, I, I'm not convinced that uh, these things are happening. And, and we don't have time to go back uh, to all of the many reports that we have given uh, so many times over uh, the past uh, two years. But here's one that uh, came down today. A London coroner's court has ruled that the blood clot that killed a British psychologist, Stephen Wright, in January of 2021, was linked to the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Wright was 32 years of age. He died 10 days after receiving the first dose of the vaccine. He was a fit and healthy man who had the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine on January 16, 2021. He awoke with a headache on the 25th and uh, later developed left arm numbness. He attended an emergency department just after midnight where he was found to have high blood pressure and a sagittal uh, sinus venous thrombosis. Then he died. He was unfit for surgery by the time they got to him. So the judge of the London coroner's court came to this conclusion. As to the cause of death, it was the unintended complications of the vaccine. Not a heart attack. The World Tribune has just provided this headline, unreported poll. Americans believe as many died from COVID shots as died from the virus. A March 31st Rasmussen report uh, poll that has been ignored by the major media found that nearly as many Americans believe someone close to them died from the side effects of the COVID injections as died from the virus itself. This, the uh, poll found that 48% of Americans are less concerned about COVID than they were a year ago, compared to 20% who say they're more concerned, while 31% say their concern about COVID has not changed much in the past year. Steve Kirsch, 
founder of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, said it was the most important poll Rasmussen has ever done, and the results are devastating. The polls show that the one thing in this country that both Democrats and Republicans agree on is that the vaccines are as deadly as COVID, and that's stunning. Now, before we go further, uh, I want to make that book, Antichrist, available to you again. It's on our website, saveus.org. $22 will put it in your hands. Uh, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. There's a whole chapter dealing with that infamous mark and... Uh, it will help you to understand the character of this uh, counterfeit Christ figure. doesn't give a name. The Bible doesn't give you the name, but it does tell us his number will be 666, which, quite frankly, I think is a symbol of the closest one can get to characterized as God as 777. In other words, Satan invests himself in the penultimate expression of humankind 666 that's my viewpoint and uh i'm not saying thus saith the lord but i believe that that at least is a very significant uh, application of that number all right <clears throat> the pfizer hid data concerning the waning immunity of their so-called vaccine They hid the data. In late 2020, the airways became saturated with triumphant reporting of Pfizer and Moderna's, they called it 95% effective COVID-19 vaccines. So millions rolled up their sleeves with the belief that reaching herd immunity would not, would end the pandemic. And so Joe Biden told us that. He said, you know, uh, by the way, Joe Biden got the vaccine, what, three times and had COVID three times. (laughs) The head of the CDC had COVID after getting the vaccine. Obviously, it wasn't effective. It was a pretense. But by June 2021, the pandemic endgame story had gone off script. Highly vaccinated countries, the target, like Israel, were experiencing a new wave of COVID infections. Vaccination rates were starting to slow and public skepticism was snowballing. Authorities tried to allay uh, fears by saying that new infections were rare breakthroughs. But the data became too difficult to ignore. By early July, the Israeli Ministry of Health reported that vaccine effectiveness against infection and symptomatic disease had fallen to 64%. Three weeks later, revised estimates put Pfizer's vaccine at just 39% effective. And by the way, even that was not a truly scientific validated, it was more of an estimate based upon the best possible way of looking at it. Peter Doshi, associate professor of the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, said it's clear from the documents that these analyses were almost four months old by the time they even became public. 
It's disappointing that neither Pfizer nor regulators disclosed these data until it was too obvious to ignore new outbreaks in Israel and Massachusetts, which made it clear that vaccine performance was not holding up. Couldn't be trusted. It couldn't be trusted from the beginning. It was just an experiment, my friend. Remember, there was no proof. No proof of efficacy and no proof of safety from the get-go. In fact, to my knowledge, I could be wrong. To my knowledge, I don't think the FDC has ever given it permanent uh, blessing. And it's still an experimental stage. I could be wrong, but I think that may be the case. That should say something, shouldn't it? Now, we're going to see where, the, what happened to the hospitals and how doctors were bribed. Now, let me just say this right up front. Hospitals are made up of people, just like you and I. Doctors are people, just like you and I. That is, they're human beings. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us. And just like pastors do. And just like lawyers do. Everybody is created in the image of God, but we also have the ability to do our own thing for our own reasons and to dishonor others for our own benefit. All of us have that ability. Did you know that pastors are tempted in exactly the same way as doctors and hospitals, as we're going to see here? The temptations that pastors have to take advantage of people, to take advantage of money, to take advantage of manipulating people for money and so on, are huge. So, In this day and age, friend, more so than in any other day and age, because Jesus warned that in this day and age, the number one characteristic would be deception. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter referred to it also as seduction. Hence the book, Seduction of the Saints. How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. That book is an $18 book. It's yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, Seduction of the Saints. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. 
conversation here today on Viewpoint is very serious. We're not mincing any words, and we're applying the issues in a way that Christians should apply these situations for what we have incurred for the past three years, maybe three and a half years, is what you might say a parable of the final period before the rapture with the massive deception that's going to take place as the Antichrist comes into sway and ultimately compels his mark to be placed on every man, woman, and child if they have any hope of being able to do business, to buy food, to uh, drive their cars, if there are any cars left by that time, and so on. In other words, you must pledge your allegiance to your complete trust and confidence in the beast empire the new global government. And if you don't, there are huge consequences that you will face, which means today is the day when you should prepare and become strong in the Lord and the power of his might to be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, having your loins girt about with truth and so on. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. He was talking about a time when it would be necessary for you and I to be able to stand with uh, courage and with strength and with the utmost trust in the Lord in the most difficult circumstances that human beings can experience. The test of a lifetime, the mark of the beast. But the majority of Christians didn't even pass the test with regard to their terrifying fear of COVID and their trust in a false promise concerning a drug, a counterfeit immune system that was going to be injected into their bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it didn't matter because their terror, their fear commanded them to do it to take it. What will your fear command you to do when the day is even more evil? What will it command you to do? You might say, well, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to talk. Well, you better hear about it because it's coming. That's why we're talking about it. This isn't an effort here to make money. I don't make any money for this broadcast, 28 years on the air, and I don't make a single dime. It's all a labor of love that God called me to do. He called me to leave the practice of law, to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour, as a voice first to the church, declaring vision for the nation of America's greatest crisis hour. That's where we are. And you and I are part of it. There's no way you can run, but you can't hide. You can buy all the gold in the world and the silver in the world, and it won't do you a bit of good in that time. It just won't. It's it's another false promise. 
There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of gold and silver as a modicum against inflation and so on. But beyond that, no. The thing that you and I must be prepared for is the test of a lifetime which involves our trust. Do you really love the Lord? Are you sure? Do you trust him? Oh, the word trust is so cheap, isn't it? Do you obey him? Oh. Well, if you don't obey him, obviously you don't trust him. And if you don't trust him, you won't obey him. And that's why the song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And obey. These things are not difficult. But because we have been seduced for such a very long time into an easy, prosperous life, we just don't know how to be equipped to stand in difficult times. So I'm, you might say, we're standing here today coaching behind this microphone. I'm coaching you. I was a coach for nine years. Actually, for five years. I was a coach for five years. And I'm still a coach by heart. No, my coaching is not involved with sports. My coaching is involved with life. That's what we really need the coaches. And coaches aren't going to let the team get by with a bunch of nonsense. You either want to win or you don't. You either want to have victory or you don't. What happened in the hospitals during COVID? This is an article that uh, by Stella Paul in The American Thinker. So I want to share some excerpts from it with you. Hospitals should be places you can trust to provide comfort and healing when you're, you're most vulnerable. But that trust may have been shattered by brutal COVID protocols that critics claim turned many hospitals into hellscapes of systematic medical murder. Heartbreaking to read their stories, which share a haunting similarity, a feeling of being trapped in a highly organized nightmare. First, the patient was isolated from their family. Nobody could advocate for them then. Next, the patient was diagnosed with COVID-19 or COVID pneumonia. Then they were bullied into getting remdesivir, a highly toxic drug which killed 53% of Ebola patients who had the misfortune to take it. Then they're placed on the BiPAP machine at a high rate, making it difficult for them to breathe. Their hands are often tied down so they can't take the BiPAP machine off their face. And as the patients writhe in agony, psychiatrists are brought in to diagnose them with agitation and sedate them. It's almost impossible to comprehend the magnitude of this moral collapse. How did doctors and nurses who spent years studying so they could help people all of a sudden turn into ruthless sadists? Presiding over enforced deaths, how did hospitals metastasize from places of healing into chambers of horror? According to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, the answer is quite simple. Money. The federal government incentivized the protocol.
It was horrific, my friends. I'm not going to go through the rest of her article because the theme is picked up again in the final uh, article that I want to focus on, which comes from Discern TV. The headline, Doctors Were Bribed for COVID Jab Coercion. Please. The purpose here is not to defile the name of your doctor. I don't know your doctor. I don't know what hospital you avail yourself of. But I do know that doctors in the entire medical profession were seduced, just like you were. They had their reasons, and money was one of the main reasons. As detailed in How COVID Patients Died for Profit, Hospitals were financially incentivized to diagnose patients with COVID and treat them with protocols known to be lethal, in part to supposedly protect the staff from infection. As if it weren't bad enough, primary care providers across the U.S. were also bribed to coerce patients into getting the toxic COVID shot. Posted to Twitter in mid-April 2023 by Representative Thomas Massey, who is a scientist and Republican congressman for Kentucky, he said, ethically, shouldn't doctors disclose when they're profiting by recommending a drug or treatment, especially a drug or treatment for which there is no medical malpractice liability? I'm looking right now at the printout, a copy of Anthem's statement, COVID Vaccine Provider Incentive Program. So let's, let's distill this a little bit. Once the U.S. Food and Drug Administration authorized the COVID shot for children, similar vaccination incentives were extended to them as well. As detailed in an Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield Medicaid provider bulletin, doctors provided or received $50 for each Medicaid patient aged six months and older who got the experimental shot. In other words, they were incentivized to give the shot. In late March 2020, the U.S. Congress passed the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. Within within this $2 trillion stimulus package, $100 billion was earmarked for hospitals and local health centers that treated COVID patients. Rather than simply agreeing to pay COVID patients' bills, the government decided to pay hospitals extra, a lot extra, over and above their standard bills, provided that they treated patients in a certain way. By the end of October 2020, $96 billion had already been dispersed, according to this plan. A COVID-positive Medicare patient was worth 20% more than the average patient, so they were prone to diagnose them with COVID even if they had just been exposed to COVID. Vented COVID patients earned hospitals a 300% upcharge. The reason why so many COVID patients died was because they were forced onto mechanical ventilation, and the reason for that was because hospitals received a 300% bonus for patients requiring ventilation. Senator Scott Jensen a Minnesota physician was interviewed by the Ingram Angle on April 8th 
and he claimed that hospitals get paid more if Medicare patients are listed as having COVID-19. And in the end, they get three times as much money if they needed a ventilator. So in other words, hospitals were incentivized to put people on ventilators. Dr. Jensen said, how can anyone not believe that increasing the number of COVID-19 deaths may create an avenue for states themselves to receive a larger portion of federal dollars? On April 19th, he doubled down on the assertion via video on his Facebook page. Dr. Jensen said hospital administrators might well want to see COVID-19 attached to a discharge summary or a death certificate. Why? Because it's a, it's straightforward. If it's just garden variety pneumonia, the diagnosis related group lump sum payment would be $5,000. But if it's COVID-19 pneumonia, if we call it that, then it's $13,000. And if that COVID-19 pneumonia patient ends up on a ventilator, if the hospital puts them on a ventilator, then they get $39,000. Are you beginning to get the picture, my friends? It was sheer wickedness by policy. People were seduced to deceive, to lie, to put people's health at risk, all for money. And why wasn't the 300% bonus payment eliminated once it became apparent that putting COVID patients on ventilators was a death sentence? I mean, as early as April 9, 2020, Business Insider reported that 80% of COVID patients in New York City who were placed on ventilators died. The Associated Press also publicized similar reports from China and the UK and Australia. Are you beginning to get the picture? And then they put them in nursing homes where 80% of them died. Was this incompetence or malice or murder? You be the judge. Ultimately, God will be the judge. But the message today is you can't do anything about that past. Not much. Not much. But what you can do is prepare for the future. Are you going to be able to stand at the evil day? Get a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. $15 will put it in your hands. The book, Antichrist, $22 in your hands. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Go to the website, saveus.org. And seriously, consider, friends, becoming a partner. Really, this is our only source of staying on the air. If God touches your heart, act immediately. God bless and be a blessing. to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.